0: Hi, I'm Rosie, and this is your invitation to join me in my weekly musings, where I go into a little bit more soul searching. The stories of our lives create a beautifully colored tapestry, interwoven by connecting threads. When we follow these threads that are tugging at our hearts, we're open to each other's creativity and higher artistic frequencies. So here at the Mystic Rose Studio, You might hear some quirky sounds in the mountain setting. But wherever you are, and in the midst of all your quirky sounds all around you, I invite you to join me and keep following those threads. Thank you so much, Leo. Uh, It's always such an honor to be able to share stories with with um, anyone who's listening out there at any time that they're listening because time is uh, only relevant to where you are at the present moment, right? So 10 years from now and somebody hears this conversation, that is happening right now. We're here right now and we travel through all these different spaces and dimensions. Um, When I met you was through a referral It was Tahira, I believe, um, that connected us. And uh, there are so many people that I've helped support in different ways that have gone to the Dominican Republic where you are. Mm -hmm. And so I know that this is this hub of this really transformational space and environment to be able to to live um, authentically in a place that people are still living their lives authentically. Uh, And then you can create great things. So when we met, what I saw and what I felt was how excited you are to help other people Mm -hmm. to really just unleash their potential. (laughs) And that is something we have in common. I see potential in all things and Whether it's back end of of, um, website support or marketing or just the person itself, when I was behind the chair as a hairdresser, it was they'd walk in with their hair and seeing how they can wear it in a way that would enhance them. But it was like they can stick their head out the window and blow dry it, you know, so that ease and flow within (coughs) knowing the full potential of something that is natural to one, I think, is something we have in common. That you can see a person or a things or, or a, the your environment around you, like just the whole potential around and all these ideas and, and things come into you. And then it's like, OK, now what? <laughs> now, how do you like implement that? And there's so many different things. So I think that's what excites me about helping you or working with you or even here, allowing people to hear your energy because that's palpable, that comes through. So that's what, that's my introduction to you, to everybody here. I will uh, put in the the uh, link in the description, your full bio, so people can hear, but we're actually going to unpack that a little bit, if that's okay.
1: Sure. sure. Well, you're absolutely right about um, a couple of things there, for sure. One of them is it's very difficult for me to see somebody and not see potential. It's very, very difficult for me to see somebody and not be projecting potential on them. That's probably a flaw. Of the <laughs> um, <clears throat> I recently, well, actually, I'm in the middle of still taking a Jordan Peterson future authoring course, which I love. I love Jordan Peterson. Just, I don't agree with everything he says, but his intellect is incredible yeah, to me.
0: I love him too.
1: And um, taking a future authoring program that is showing me like things that I want to where I've got some of my biggest challenges biggest growth from do I want to repeat those things in the future Um, and a big one that I noticed was that I will meet young men and helplessly if I see any type of potential in them and they offer any type of acceptance of my mentoring i just give them everything i have and a lot of time it ends up being very disappointing because uh they weren't asking for everything i have <laughs> you know so um yes so that can be a blessing and a curse and then the other thing is that uh, i recently came across the idea of being a sigma male or a sigma female i don't know if you've ever heard of either one of those but no no Yeah, so I think we might have that trait as well. I think it's an I-N-T-F or I-N-T-J or something similar to that in Myers-Briggs. okay, okay. But it's the type of person who could be an alpha if they wanted, but they don't want to. They want to support other people to become alphas. That's what they want Mm -hmm. to do. They have a hard time seeing the little pieces as as easily as it is for them to see this big, huge, larger piece first and then see all the smaller pieces and want to put them in the right places. And that can be challenging in the world today, but I also think it's necessary, people like us, that, um, you know, whenever there's balance in the world, there's stagnation. So we have to have this constant flux. And right now, I think we're in a flux time where people like you and I are maybe overactive mobile immune cells on planet Earth, you know, trying to stimulate mm-hmm. healing in the biggest ways we can and you know we're learning as we go but uh, yeah I I see the same thing I see the the gentleness in you which I appreciate because I understand life is stressful and I really do my best to be gentle with people as well and um, that's something I've definitely appreciated about you since we've met and um, yeah yeah that's my response to your introduction (laughs)
0: <laughs> you know, that reminds me of like Simon Sinek's Leaders Eat Last. I don't know if you've ever heard oh. that. But I think you and I also and and with this kind of um these kind of I guess personality traits since we'll go down there, um, is like that creative energy. It's the springtime, right? Where it's like, yes, birthing things. I, you know, all these things wonderful. But just like everything else is cyclical. There's places and times for different things, but we always have, I know since I was a kid, just like now I know that they were just constant downloads and information. And so I actually, when I would get excited and try to say something like to my brothers and sisters, I would start stammering because my, it couldn't come in fast enough and I wanted to share what was like ideas and what was coming in so I'd cut people off and I'd you know stammer and I couldn't get it out and I can feel sometimes when that comes in that I just now learn to pause so people that know me in the middle of thought there's silence you know because I have to let it all catch up so that it can it can come out And I think that's still that energy of what you're speaking of is like we see something we're like overly excited, like, oh, my gosh, this person is amazing. They have all these gifts and, you know, all these things. And then we need to kind of wait until the invitation of. But what are they ready for and what can they take in? Right. You know, because it can be an overwhelming energy. I know that. I can be an overwhelming energy where it's just like ah, this is kind of speaking to what you said. This isn't what I asked for, and I think it's that learning a lot of people that we can say they are here to be guides. You know, they've old souls that we have kind of been doing work behind the scenes all our lives. Lives. Um, and now that we see people are actually like taking their head out of the sand and like looking around, we're like, there you are here. Let me give you everything and all my information. And, um, and that can be, that can be overwhelming. It can be. And so learning that balance of how much to give, to give all of our energy, like love, support, without Everything that's going that all of our past knowledge, because I think I hear like you are a lifelong learner. You love taking in more information and gathering that information to be able to explain it to as many different people as possible. Like there might be one word here and that's going to help that person. So, yeah, very, very big energy, very huge potential that you even hold. And I think that's the beauty of the programs that you're creating is that it's like a, a vortex that you have there that you're like, or like a tornado that you're like in the middle and that you can bring that whoever's ready to you to be in that calm center.
1: You said a lot of stuff there that I am looking forward to responding to. So, when you were mentioning when you were mentioning being a young child and having all these insights, uh, you know, ram, you know, just maybe ratcheting off a whole bunch of stuff real quick, or maybe interrupting people, or uh, stumbling for words, um, and then being able to see this larger picture and wanting to contribute because you've already had these downloads and experiences and you know there's places that you can fill in, uh, maybe help other people in their learning. And then um, recognizing that when we are like this, we begin to take responsibility for the other person's listening because we notice I can be overwhelming. How can I be more empathetic in my communication? Maybe I should give them space. In, in, you know, sometimes I will tell people I'm manipulative and I'll tell you why I'm manipulative. First of all, manipulative is just a word, but I might be talking to you and I realize you're getting overwhelmed. So I'll be manipulative and I'll stop talking. I'll maybe back off a little bit. Maybe I'll create a space for you to ask me a question. Then I know, okay, I can continue and keep going because there was no flow there and back. And we become more crafters and I threw the word manipulative because it's such a harsh word and I think we need to get over reactive models to words. Um, but really it's being more in a creative space being like, huh, there's two sides to this communication. Maybe I care more than this other person does because that's why I want to project <laughs> on them that I see this potential in them. Maybe they don't really care. So if I want to make an impact, I have to be a little gentler because that's how much i love that i you know i'm willing to take these extra steps and they probably won't know and it doesn't matter whether they know or not but i just got to find a way to be me and give my love you know and you know that's uh that's a really beautiful space and challenging space at the same time because I think also, like, I I tell friends frequently, I said, you know, when I was diagnosed with cancer 28 years ago, um, and I decided to heal myself on my own, I remember seeing Deepak Chopra on Good Morning America when I was a kid, Tony Robbins when I was drunk off my ass about 3 o'clock in the morning on an infomercial, and... uh, Maybe there was like one yoga studio within like 30 miles of the place I lived in Southern California in San Diego and Ocean Beach, where now there's probably 100. So at that point in time, there was hardly any spiritual awareness whatsoever, right? And I was excited to meet somebody that had a whole bunch of information that I didn't have at that time. But now it's everywhere. And even though we may be, we may be, Ahead of the game, a few steps, quote steps, quote unquote, ahead of the game, um, because of our knowledge or experience or ability to implement and understand that it's not a ego based. Let me see if I can be smarter than you about spiritual things or whatever. It's more about can we get connected and make something bigger happen in all of our lives. And I hope you are feeling the same way I am because I'm so overly excited about this. Yet these days there are a lot, and I. Oh, I, I hesitate to throw anything even of a gray, let alone dark energy into this, but there's a lot of, um, you know, at least where I live, (laughs) actually it's true in a lot of places. I know a lot of shamans who maybe took mushrooms a year ago and, and now are shamans or, um, you know, yogis who got their yoga certificate. And I mean, So it's difficult to have a communication with a lot of these people, a lot of people these days, unless we're very empathetic and understanding where their path is. And and almost the the fight for, you know, who's more enlightened in a conversation when it comes to meeting people who we see are on the path. I find it's almost more refreshing and rewarding at times. Like a, a fellow came up to me today and said, hey, I heard you're a coach. Maybe we can sit down and talk. I'm a coach also about how we can make a positive impact in the world. It's like, ah, somebody approached me. Sounds great. You know, (laughs) perfect, man. Tell me when you want to get together, you know? Um, And I had a uh, amazing woman. She's a death doula come to me maybe a week or two, week and a half or something like that ago and ask if we could work together on a, on a project. And man, I'm just happy to be like, okay, great. Integrate me into what you're doing, you know, just, just to be there. So I don't know. I think that might be more than answering uh, or responding to uh, what you were saying. Those were my thoughts. No, that's,
0: that's no, that's great. Cause you brought up something that actually um, I wanted to, to touch on was your, your diagnosis and how you healed yourself. What I, what I, what I love is to hear how. Um, what was it that helped you get into that state of? This is not like the the prognosis or diagnosis doesn't define me. You know what what was that that took you to the space of elevating through that? Ah.
1: <laughs> okay, well, a lot of trauma, <laughs> to be honest with you, a lot, a lot of trauma, because I believe it's trauma that created the, the, the tumor to begin with. And again, I was diagnosed, and the doctor told me, yo, you got this tumor, it's about the size of a softball, it's in between your lumbar and your sacrum, pressing down your sciatic nerve, that's why you're feeling the pain, we recommend you get in here really quick, get this thing removed. But I never was given a biopsy and told if it was benign or, or malignant or anything like that. So I don't know for sure. What I do know is I walked out of the hospital and I said, excuse me to your listeners, but I said, F you, God. I stuck my finger up to the sky mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and made an immediate decision to go steal a Ferrari, rob a bank, and go to Mexico and, and end my life with my guns blaring. Okay?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or um, – Or option B, which I didn't know yet uh, because I didn't know this option B until I got home and told my friend what I was going to (laughs) do, which is he said, why don't you stop doing the cocaine? Why don't you stop sleeping with every woman you meet? Why don't you stop eating pizza for breakfast and get rid of that 9,000 square foot TV you bought the other day that's ridiculous? Don't even sports bars, don't even have ones that big and uh, try getting some exercise Quit smoking and then do that for like a week or two, then go eat some mushrooms. And I was like, You are crazy. I said, There's no way in the world I'm eating mushrooms. I said, You know, I'll be jumping off the top of a building thinking I can fly or something like this. Cause that was my thought at the time, 28 years ago. And he's like, Dude, are you kidding me? He's like, All that other shit's gonna kill you so much faster than getting clean and going to eat some mushrooms. So, he was a really nice guy. And I, I decided to trust him on it. And he also handed me a book called The Way of the Spear- uh, uh, Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. Uh, that was a really gentle, easy book for an idiot like me to open up my eyes. It was you know, just one of those really nice, simple books for, I'm, I'm, I guess, for me at the time, it was just what I needed. But so a couple of weeks later, I took some mushrooms and I went out and wow, I just realized, first of all, coming from a very traumatic past. I realized like, wow, I'm lovable. Like, holy smokes. Like, wow. And like, something loves me that's bigger than me, that's out there right now. And is telling me like, don't give up, fight for this. Like, like there's a reason all this stuff happened. You have a purpose. And it was such an amazing connection with a, with a loving source and it was mystical because like my programming, and I say that very intentionally, my programming, things that I dove into for the most part as a youth were things like the TV show Kung Fu and Star Trek. So these two things blended together to me as I had this alien encounter with this light that was in the sky that was telling me all this mystic knowledge from all time, all dimension, like you are everything, you are lovable, you have Purpose, um, wake up. So that was what got me to literally the next day, literally the next day, out of nowhere, I started my first 30-day master cleanse. Just I was like, okay, I need to do things like Jesus did or Buddha did. I need to start studying these people because I just really got that hit on that experience. And it was incredible. I just devoured Deepak Chopra and Tony Robbins and Carolyn Mace and Bruce Lipton and Candace Pert. And at that time there was no internet. So I was just at the library. I had so many books on everything from yoga to fasting to just everything you could possibly Edgar Casey, you name it. And we read back then. It was amazing. And the information was so much more. Beautiful to read and see these like hundred-year-old books showing, you know, mystical stories about this, you know, Shambhala or enlightenment or this and this and this. And at right about that same time, within a few years, all of a sudden, boom, Celestine Prophecies came out. Boom, Conversations with God came out. Boom, all of these things just, you know, the Alchemist, the Four Agreements, just like boom, 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 boom. And I really felt like I was just alive in this mystical time. So. That's, I think, what, that's what got me to not steal the Ferrari because I wasn't going to go have, I wasn't going to let the doctors take care of me. Um, and I wasn't, I was not a, a novice of, of doing things like stealing Ferraris at that time either. Um, that was, that was a part of my, my day to day existence for a younger part of my life before then uh unfortunately, fortunately, whatever it helped you speak who you become. Um but yeah, yeah, it was just a very magical, magical time where I a polar opposite was exposed to me that I was unaware of before.
0: You were how old? Twenty-five, around y- mid twenties? Yeah,
1: twenty-five exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I find that um like, I know, like, I can relate to so many things of this. I had plenty of, you know, fuck you, God, conversations in my teens. And just literally, I I would say, I would, like, tell people, oh, I was an abused child, but it was me abusing myself, <laughs> you know? Like, uh, doing, playing, um, I have scars all over, you know, just different things. But it was that, I think, what I believe is, and what we see in others is these kind of stories help illustrate how it really is never that we are disconnected we didn't find god we just found the part of us us that we can tap into like it's when somebody goes through, like they say they have their spiritual, you know, they find their spirituality or, or whatever it is. It's just that that part made sense now and it clicked, you know, it's, we're never separate. It's just, we doing so much negative and toxic things that we're literally suppressing it and drowning it. And it's until we actually feel the, The bigness of it all, but at the same time, that intimacy, because it is an intimate experience with our own self um, as that spark of God that allows us to feel how calm it can be, how grounding that can feel, but at the same time with limitless potential. And in that, it's really how how one finds to harness the power of themselves in a way that can be that full expression of themselves. And I think that's all we're really searching for is how do we really use our true gifts and they can be said in different ways, but it is that there's so much power in ourselves that we constantly just deny because it's, we, th- we think like, who am I to have this if I was doing all this crappy stuff when I was younger or all these horrible things happened to me or name it, all these things, right? But it's in that, that because of that, we have that human side that needs to be able to relate to everyone else. We have to go through these things so that we can relate to each other. And then just even our presence, knowing who we are and being able to fully understand the power of who we are at any moment when shit hits the fan and things don't happen, we can tap back into that and then be this beautiful, brilliant energy source that others can come to rather than us trying to you know reach out and 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 expand. you know expend so much energy trying to find people to help it's like it's this calm brilliant energy so i would of course respond to that but i that's how i feel what you've created can Really, just help people bring them to a place where they can tap into and learn the power of themselves.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you started off our conversation talking about our multi-dimensional, multi the multidimensional aspect of being a human being, and you would mentioned time as one of those dimensions. And uh, when you begin. Uh, your response just now, you also were talking about how we see each other in the world around us as separate, yet it's not really separate. We just have thought it was separate because we've been suppressing all of this amazingness of who we are and creating these stories about how bad we were, that we don't deserve this or that or the other thing. And I think one of the fundamental challenges that humanity faces right now is not seeing reality as it is, that we are connected to each other. That when I'm talking to you, it's more than just hyperbole, uh, to or fashionable to say you are another myself. No, actually, you have a different avatar, your identity, that's trapped in not trapped, but flowing through that avatar body you inhabit, that gives you the opportunity to uh, to experience being human. That none of this stuff has happened to us. We chose to come here, blow ourselves into eight billion pieces to have the experience of the polarity of going through that darkness and then alchemizing it in order to experience what it means to be in the light. And you also tapped on another piece, which is just being in the now, in the moment, in our calmness, in the midst of a storm, which is the sharpening stones for our swords, that we recognize, wait a second, can I be happy with nothing, even less than nothing with a bunch of negative stuff going around me, which I I believe also is going to be one of the next frontiers of exploration is happiness. Because as we become so aware of how we're looking for dopamine hits from everything from social media to strawberry ice cream, pornography, to what's going on in the news with, you know, the stock market's going to crash or did the government blow up the nine twin towers or the Nordstrom pipeline or kill JFK or like all of these things we're looking for, like these big pops and spikes of adrenaline and dopamine and serotonin and epinephrine. Instead of just like settle into like, Hey, pretty sure thousand years ago or so living on this beach that I'm at right now, people looked up at the stars, listened to the, waves, saw the fire, snuggled with their loved ones, maybe banged a drum, danced around a little bit, and they were pretty happy. They weren't looking for strawberry ice cream or social media or pornography or, or the next jolt from turning on the news or, or whatever. And that's a new art form and a new frontier I think we're going to begin to explore as we become aware of how manipulated we are right now for those different types of biochemical hits that we call emotional reactions. And the difference, the chasm of difference between creation and reaction is the path to, I believe, that frontier of happiness, is understanding that, wait a second here, I'm actually... I am the matrix, I created all of this stuff, and I am you, so we created, quote-unquote, to speak to our avatars, uh, all of this stuff, and we can unwind it, one person at a time. And even when we say one person at a time, understanding that the mechanics of this three-dimensional reality that we live in, fourth dimension time, third dimension hype with depth, the structure that we actually see things. Understanding that we can unwind this, we can recreate this, you know, this 8 billion people on the planet with 6,000, 6,000 thoughts each per day, sending out 48 trillion threads that are weaving the tapestry of our experience tomorrow, planting the seeds of the field we'll be walking in and saying the prayers of the reality we'll be metabolizing. We can interrupt this pattern. We can interrupt this pattern and find that base being us in the midst of this current storm. We are in the midst of a current storm for sure. For sure. It's a playground, consciousness is. It's also a battlefield right now, I believe. I I truthfully feel there is a battle for the control of our identities. And I think escaping the identity is part of the and understanding the wholeness, seeing reality as it is, that we are connected to everything. There's no reason to be stressing. Even the negative things happen, quote unquote negative, from the second dimension, the dimension of polarity. That creates these this dance in the third dimension that we travel in the fourth dimension of time. Is here for our benefit. And to recognize, wow, all of these ups and downs are nothing to get attached to. Because that's where the dopamine and the adrenaline hits come from. So why would I seek them? They're already coming at me at 8 billion times 6,000 per day. <laughs> Let's just interrupt this for a second and slide into that space of interruption and see what it's like.
0: I love that. It's going, like the interrupting the pattern that you say it, uh, the, and, and, and also recognizing that these programs that we don't need to be part of them. Like we are plugging into them because either we were taught to plug into them. But at any point, oh, that's what all the mystical teachings are teaching us is that we don't need these, that we already have this relationship and connection. And really the pace of nature, which is slow, it is You know, you wait for a seed and then the tree grows. That's years and years later. And that's how we naturally have this. Once we get into that slow rhythm of just taking our time and seeing what's around us at the same time, because of us being tapped into everything, that's when the acceleration of things can happen and you bring them to you, what you need. like when the student is ready the teacher appears just hearing like all these axioms are exactly that is to just unplug interrupt that pattern that you've you know whether it's just the scrolling on the phone taking in and getting upset because like you mentioned all these things that can be true possibly can have you know uh, relevance in your life but then what are you going to just be stuck and dev- you know devote your whole life into finding that one thing? Does it matter to you? Like I remember when everything uh, you know went to shit, right? <laughs> but in a good way, like it pulled the rug out from everybody. I think it got people to really see everything that they've put their whole life into can be taken away. So now can we live the way we want to and what matters most to us? Can we look look around and say, is what I'm seeing on TV or on my phone true to me in my life? Or can I look around and see that this isn't actually relevant to me because my neighbors of all colors, of all ethnicities, of all religions, we all say hello to each other. If something happened, we would all help each other. That's real, and then start there. What's real to me, start there. Stop looking for that external information to tell us how to live our life. And I think that's what people aren't seeing, that that is the programming, is always looking outside to find what is true to you on the inside.
1: Yeah. You remember uh, when Mike Myers played the love guru? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, he T M'd intimacy into me, see into me. see. It's hilarious, but it's totally true. You know, it's that intimate connection with, you know, that it's, it's, it comes from within. Um, yeah. Albeit, you know, it is very challenging. It's easy to talk about it in a, in a podcast. Getting off the phone and mm-hmm. having something happen, whole new story. Um, which is why I know I created the work that I created to interrupt my pattern so frequently. And at the I believe that we have never lived in a time... Well, I'm sure we have, but we don't remember, or it's not recorded in history. It's nothing that we know of, but because we live in a multiverse, I'm sure it's out there probably in multiple different ways. But at least for me at my age, 53, right now, to look around and see all the sophisticated programming that's there. Never in my life uh, have I been aware of so much sophistication in the programming. Now, we can look back to the quote-unquote dark ages worth book-burning... Or we can look back to, uh, you know, the Christian churches, you know, stepping in and taking over the Celtic regions and, you know, forcing a a way of being, adopting and blending traditions together in order to, you know, pull somebody into their uh, morphic field of thought. But I think right now. When we watch some movies that are out there about social media or listen to some of the people who work high up in the industry and they tell you, we can push a button and get an entire demographic to move in a particular direction, begin to project a, a way of thinking and actually organize physically and rise up to or for or against something like that. And that's powerful. So, I know we haven't mentioned much about my work, and you haven't asked um, so much for me to answer, say what I'm about to say, Uh, but I'm going to say, because I believe it's important Mm -hmm. that we arm ourselves with equal sophistication that moves us towards the divinity within us, because I truthfully believe the odds are against us if we don't, because it's also easy to say that we understand we're being programmed. And it's also easy to say that we know we've got the subpr- subconscious programming from the third trimester inside of our mother's womb up until somewhere between age six and nine. That's really hard to root out. And we can walk around and pretend like we've done a good job, yet still be 99 re- 99% of the time we're reactionary. So I really feel another, other than happiness and a couple other spokes on this wheel that another frontier to explore is the frontier of how do i use a sophisticated programming technology like like that on myself to bring out my purpose my path my hero's journey my messianic voyage because again i'll come back to i think that The only way out is in. We have so many existential threats facing us. And like Leonardo DiCaprio's movie, Don't Look Up, that we are just not looking at and hoping that this real estate investment is going to be there five or ten years from now and not a nuclear suitcase bomb or who knows what else. With the magnitude of stupidity that humanity is acting like right now, creating free-for-all race for AI and weaponized drones and convergence of these technologies and just the terrible treatment of our mother, this host that takes care of us, as we consume with a reckless abandon, like a bullet train hitting towards a cliff, I hope we wake up and realize the power of our thought, the power of our intention, especially, well, to begin with individually, for sure, and realize We're a small piece of this fractal holographic pattern. And as I change, it automatically ripples out into the field, but also the power of agreement to have, you know, like-minded understanding that you are me and I am you, and we are working consciously and competently to interrupt these patterns and sow new seeds, new threads into the tapestry and gather momentum and magnetize others and create hope, curiosity, uh, motivation and purpose, and belief that we can rewrite this code that we're a programming that has been indoctrinated for whatever reason. For whatever reason, I believe that part of it is since we live in a multiverse, we get to create whatever kind of amazing story we, we want. But I believe that part of this is that there's always been a good and evil, you know, the battle in the heavens of. You know, dark versus light. I believe that's very real. I believe that's very real. I also believe the mechanical butterfly is real, that maybe we can all go towards a digital lifestyle. That's very real too. We go back to singularities, where we came from. It's fine. Just as real. I also believe there could be entities out there feeding on our negativity and that we are just a a like a hub where they keep experimenting. How much more shit can we get these people to handle how much more stress can we get them to have hey i know let's add a couple more bills or a couple more laws or a couple more things they got to pay each month when they open their mailbox it's like ah oh, not that you know it's like oh cool i got another little feeding source or hey let's talk about a pandemic for two years it never actually really happens in the way they say that it's going to be happening but it generated the fear you know it created that feeding source so i believe that could be true I also believe that what could be true is that utopia can be possible, heaven on earth can be possible, and that why not ask ourselves how good can we stand it, why don't we start putting our, you know, each day like, hey, can today can today get better than yesterday, you know, how do we break these pieces down and understand everything from the fact that I just want to be happy. And when we study happiness, we see the people who are the happiest are the people who are surrounded by the most loving and supportive community. They don't have things. They don't have things other than the, the things that happen to be relationships. You know, that's the things they have. And we're all striving for this feeling. And it's not that difficult, really. We've just got this huge bunch of chaos we put in between us and the simplicity of being happy. So how do we unwind? How do we interrupt this pattern long enough to start to squeeze in more and more of that stuff? What happens inside of the body for that? How do we get chemically addicted to being unhappy? How do we get chemically addicted to these dopamine and adrenaline hits? We actually have most of these answers. We just have to implement the information. Go from the information age to the implementation of information age because it's also kind of goofy to be so, to have so much knowledge at our fingertips and be acting like knuckleheads? We have all the answers, really.
0: I love that, it is true. When you peel back and you look at like, what are we doing here? We are acting like knuckleheads. We like these images of like Planet of the Apes, you know, like um, that we have all this, available to us and then we're using it just for what we think is our own benefit collectively that that really is just a matter of okay let's let's stop being part of this program and not worry about like being canceled (laughs) i think of like my kids that are in their 20s you know like um if you're not part of the program you can't be canceled like it's Go back to that. So, how does one do this? You have, uh, you helped heal yourself or get out of this with um, autobiographical, uh, autobiographical. No, sorry.
1: <laughs> it's uh, autobiographical.
0: Where is it? <coughs> Feedback. Yeah. Yeah. How did, what, what is that and how? Okay. How do you use that? Or how does one use that?
1: well first of all i'm going to say that it's a it's also a very sophisticated programming technology Uh, although very fun to learn and extremely enjoyable to use but it is sophisticated so autobiographical feedback works with almost every discipline in science and spirituality literally almost every single discipline how well first and foremost If we peel a few layers back, we can find that we live in language. Whether it's the language of attraction between protons and neutrons and electrons and how they coalesce and work together and magnetize and repel and collapse and expand. It's all really communication right there. When we look at how a human being sees a star, well, it's because there's photons and waves of light That are coming to us. So when we actually see that star, we're connected to the star. We are connected to it. It's literally a wave that goes from billions of miles or trillions of miles away or millions of miles, however far. The sun, 93 million miles away. It's going into our retina, it's going through our optic chiasm, bouncing back against our visual cortex. We're connected 100% of the time. So understanding that this is all language, it's all communication. We think of language as words. Words are like the, one of the latest outbursts. One of the very latest outbursts. I mean, there's... I wish we took the time that we take for, like, making a weapon and put it into, hey, you know what? A pig is the fifth smartest mammal on the planet. Wouldn't it be interesting? Humans aren't in the top five. That's also interesting. <laughs> wouldn't it be interesting to take the time to figure out what a pig is saying to another pig or a cow was saying to another cow? How human would that be at the moment? Obviously not very human. So I think we need a new division or, or like humanity 2.0 would be another good start, I would say. But so let's just say that we're, we live in language. That's one component. The, that's a principle of autobiographical feedback that we have a story that our story may not be our real story, that most of that story is programmed. It has nothing to do with that sixth dimensional part of ourself, the archetype that knows the, the destination of where we're going with our fourth and fifth and third dimensions, that's trying to push that story through our consciousness, wake us up. And the reason we're not experiencing that story is because we're dealing with the resistance every day of not being in our story. When we start being in our story, then the story starts to come towards us. Those probabilities begin to amplify in the field around us. So how do we create? First of all, we have to have the courage to create the story. Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? What's my deepest purpose in life? I know my deepest purpose in life isn't to be a coach or a seminar leader. It's a lot more than that. This is part of the path. It's a stepping stone that I'm on in the moment. There's a much bigger story that's intimate to me that I'm striving towards. So now, how does that story, that sixth, fifth, fourth, and third dimensional story that works with the two dimensions of polarity that create the resistance, they go to the first dimension that's the singularity. How does that story Interact with my current story. Well, the first thing it has to do is interrupt the current story. So we have algorithms and marketing agendas and corporate narratives and political agendas and all of these things that are going around to keep our story at bay because these other stories are, are purposefully designed to have our focus be on them. So we have to interrupt that current observation long enough to begin to wake up to what our story is, which is where the work I'm doing begins and where most people's work begins. Let's create a new story. Okay, got that piece out of the way. That should be fairly common sense. Now, so the average human being has about 6,000 thoughts a day. Well, if we want to shift our perspective, we have to get a majority of those thoughts to be on our story, our epic story, our hero's journey. We know from science that to get to critical mass, we've got to get somewhere between generally 15 and 20% of our anything to be moving in a new direction for a phase transition to happen and everything else falls into entrainment with it. So that means we've got to get 15 to 20% of our thoughts and emotions each day to be moving towards that new story. So we have 6,000 thoughts a day, 250 thoughts an hour, 4 thoughts per minute. we got to get about, let's just say 20%. percent we got to get about 1,500 of our thoughts a day. Wow holy shit, how do I interrupt all of this past programming from the third trimester to seven, eight, nine years old, all of the current social media and all the algorithms and the 60,000 marketing messages the average person sees every day, et cetera. How do I interrupt that with this new story 20% of the time? Actually, 1,500 is actually 25%. Let's say 25%. So I, I decided when I had cancer, After reading Deepak's work, he had like, he only had like 60 or 70 books, I think, at the time, (laughs) which I like demolished all of them. Uh, Studied all of Tony Robbins' work, really got into Bruce Lipton and Candace Pert, Bruce Lipton, the biology of belief, Candace Pert talking about the membrane in the cell and how it's actually craving chemicals and creates a chemical addiction to who we are. That we want to interrupt that with another version of who we are and get addicted to that. And then keep upgrading, keep upgrading because we have the most fantastic pharmacy, the most amazing, a better pharmacy inside of our body than you can find anywhere else in the universe. There's no reason to look outside. And then Deepak would say, you know, you can go to a chemical pharmaceutical company like Hoffman Roche and buy interleukin-2 to deal with your cancer. Or you can be happy. You can go ride a a ride at Magic Mountain or Disneyland or hop on a horse or go surf or dance or fall in love and you're going to be creating interleukins, interferons, serotonins, dopamines, all these things naturally. You're going to create a healing response inside of your body. I was like, okay, great. And then he said, but do this meditation and breathe this way and start taking these herbs and start doing this. And Tony's like, visualize and ask yourself why and create non-impotent goals and A million different things and Bruce Lipton had his own way of doing it and I was just like oh my god man I don't even have enough time in the day these guys and all their healing responses and stuff are stressing me out (laughs) I need to find an easier way to do this so miraculously I came across some very very ancient technologies from ancient Greece and Mesopotamia that happened to work really well with modern transformational technologies uh, in the human development industry and in the healing industry. And those two worked, those two things, modern and, and ancient, worked really well with how these sophisticated algorithms work. And I thought, huh, let me weave these bad boys together. So the first one was mnemonics from ancient Greece, which is a pegging system where you peg information to objects or ideas in your outside environment. So an example, one of the first examples I heard of was, hey, you ever lose your keys? Are you one of those guys that just keeps losing his keys all the time you walk in the house and five minutes later you go to leave and you spend the next 40 minutes looking for your keys? It's like, imagine this, you walk into your house, you throw your keys into the corner and you pretend it's a grenade, boom, and you see the corner of your house explode. Do that every day for a week and you'll never lose your keys. And I was like, huh, interesting. And I was like, well, let me try that out. So I just, I never had a problem with my keys, but I was like, fuck it. Threw my keys in the corner, boom, grenade blows up. I was like, wow, my mind creates this amazing image here. And I get that. So I was like, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So then, that's from ancient Greece. So then I was studying languages, paleolinguistic anthropology, etymology, all of these original languages. And I realized there is a ton of information in signs and symbols, in hieroglyphics, like a ton of information. And as I studied how the brain worked, I realized your brain gets wired totally differently when you look at language from this perspective. How linear and boring is English compared to these complex ways of looking at the world with with information about me as an individual, but also looking at it as me as the whole, the medicine wheel built right into this thing, or this cosmic cosmic celestial date that's connected to these imagery connected to this color, connected to this vibrational frequency like, wow, this stuff's powerful. And then I realized secret societies and elitists and occultists and Kabbalistic mystics and readers of the Torah and the Old Testament, Sanskrit uh, Hebrew Aztec Mayan, they all use this form of etymology. And I said, what if I could translate, transfer English into etymology and make an an English version of that. So I did. So I combined the mnemonics version. I started to anchor, peg, connect into this language things that would create a healing response, create visual and contextual imagery, create emotional responses, create affirmations and declarations in different timelines, alternative timelines that had to do with where I wanted to be creating myself in the moment and in the future. And I realized as I got these things to fire and wire together, the more I would see them in my external environment, the more I'd be creating a new story and actually consciously and competently redesigning my neural network and the type of emotional responses that would be showering the cell membranes in my body so that when they died, new cells would be born craving these higher complexities of thought and emotion. So as I continued to study human development, marketing, social hypnosis, social engineering, uh, language. I continue to tighten and refine this system until I have what I have now, which I believe is completely disruptive. It's going to be a huge pattern interruption to the industry because I've been to seminars and read books. I just went to Joe Dispenza. I just went to Greg Braden. And I can remember even right now to this moment. Almost 20 years ago, I went to a Peak Potentials event called Millionaire Minds. And in that program, they had us jumping around and dancing and high-fiving people because they wanted us to create anchors. They wanted us to anchor a high-five saying, you have a millionaire mind, and anchor and give a high and say, I earn enough passive income to pay for my desired lifestyle. Gives them another high-five and turn around and then give them a hug and say, I am financially free. I only work because I want to, not because I have to. And I was like, throughout this five day seminar or whatever it was, I was writing down all these neat things they were having to say. It's like, man, it would be good if I was saying these things to myself, Mark frequently. Well, I see, I see those things every every day right now. Like almost every day, I see every one of those right now. And in addition to that, all of Deepak's work, Tony's work, every book I've read, anything that had meaning to me, that popped out, I encoded into this system so that it wasn't just something I read and was like, oh, I understand the concept. No, I wanted to embody it. I wanted to have limitless numbers of healing responses around me at all times, so that I could, boom, fire off a healing response, boom, fire off a healing response, boom. And when I say healing, I'm looking at the etymological origin of that, the paleo-linguistic origin of that, which in its origin means wholeness, bringing me back to wholeness, of who and what I truly am. And when I, my karma burns out on one of those paths, I replace it with something that's the upgrade because now I can see where I'm going it from a better position because I've traveled this distance. So I keep upgrading the story. So the, the technology, and I call it a technology because it's a language, but it's a language of external anchors using these sophisticated tools from our past when people, I think, were probably a lot more capable. When you go to ancient Greece, when you go to Mesopotamia and you look at what those people did thousands of years ago, I've been there. I've been inside the King's Chamber in the Great Pyramid. This was not built by schmucks like today. No way in the world. You go to the Acropolis, that was not made by anybody alive today, please. These people were on top of it. And when you look at Albert Einstein's brain too, one of the things that he said is he saw poetry and music in the mathematics of the universe. When they did an autopsy on him, his whole entire brain was woven together because he was contextualizing information in this way and i believe this is what this technology does and we'll see results from uh, pet scans and brain scans and so forth soon enough here from this work but i believe it's weaving all of the cortexes and hemispheres together just makes sense because we have these this information stacked in the same way that information is stacked in glyphic images so it's a lot
0: No, I love it. And that like so many things Um, (laughs) it is that the the weaving really is we can pull it apart and say um, it's the masculine and the feminine that we meant to really help weave together to not live in those separate, you know, because we in, in this coming into and out of these programs, it can f- be very tempting to just live in like that spiritual space and then not apply it. You know, it can, it, it, there can be that escape. We talked about it before, you know, those who maybe need that release and then they just start getting addicted to, and it really is an addiction to, um, to alternative, um, spaces like using plants and using different things to just escape right. it becomes this escape and it's not that's not the point that's not the purpose of it it's to harness this technology which I always refer to too is this amazing technology our our body, our being and and we can go through all those what people will call conspiracy theories and different things and it you can hear and i know if, you know those who have followed me and you know, just in our conversation and i say it that language is not my first my first language oftentimes i lose words i they escape me or uh they just aren't forming because i know my way of being is energy just that holding space being present. So I've already released that I know that sometimes I'm not able to articulate things. You, on the other hand, are able to grab all this information and articulate it beautifully. And I just want to share with anyone listening that there's different ways to go back inside, find your true gifts, and then they're going to be expressed in different ways. We need people to express them in different ways. Hearing Leo, I get so excited because I think everything that you're saying is exactly what I know to be, but I am not able to articulate it. But to find people that help you to just confirm what it is that you know to be true, find them, find people like Leo, take his, knowledge because he is doing what I know I do, which is, okay, so you have all this information, you ha- you learned all these things, you know all these things, now what? Now what? It's that now what that most people get stuck in. But you've actually created these beautiful programs to help a person walk through so they're not guessing. They know something, they can't explain it but they know it to be true. So you've created something to help them walk through this step. So can you share a little bit about I Am The Matrix and how and what you've created to help anyone who's listening to really find that next now what and to that, how you have helped so many and are just expanding on this.
1: Sure. Thank you. So autobiographical feedback is called autobiographical feedback for two reasons. One, because you create your autobiography about your potential and it feeds back to you in the present. Instead of living from an autobiography from the past, it feeds back to you into the present. So it's literally designed to interrupt that past programming in the present coming from your future through this language Again, that's encoded all around us that you can't see unless you learn autobiographical feedback. Unfortunately, Uh, it's unfortunate, but I'm sure also that autobiographical feedback is going to be um, hijacked, thank God, by everybody else out there in the industry because they're going to realize like, holy shit, I can't keep to coaching unless I give people a way to implement this stuff. And they're going to see how valid this is and good. Turn this Model T that I'm getting off the assembly line right now into a Ferrari or a Tesla or something because we need to change the world. So I'm going to be, you know, encouraging anybody who can come up with a better version of this to, to go for it. Uh, please, you know, see the fullness of what this is first and before running out there. Because I got 28 years into this thing. It's pretty freaking high tech already, but I'm excited to see the next iteration. So the second reason it's called autobiographical feedback is because it automatically recreates a biology. It creates autobio. bio automatically creates a new biology with this new feedback because this biology lives in language. The biology lives in language. We have 40 trillion thinking and filling cells. We have DNA that will hold up to 215 petabytes of information in every gram of DNA. Nature does not make a brain that can calculate 100 billion billion computations per second unless it's designed for something. We don't have all this memory and storage capacity and computation power in this massively high-tech bodysuit of an avatar that this universal mind flows through for no reason. We have to consider the fact that this thing has been dormant for a little long. It's been hibernating for a little bit long, and it's time to ignite this avatar. It's time to wake it up. So we design programs that sequence people into awakening and igniting the avatar. What are the programs? Well, the first one is called Humanity 2.0. And it's a broad bang of what does it mean for you to be in your 2.0 version? What does it mean for you? How do you get really clear on working with those six dimensions of yourself to start with? We're going to go to 11 eventually, but just to start with those six. That part of you that knows you're everything in the first dimension, but the fifth dimensional awareness part of you isn't quite integrating it yet. It's like, okay, I know this is true in the third dimension, that I'm this in the first dimension, but I'm not quite integrating it to the level of my fifth dimensional part of me would like to be. So that everything I see is in Lakesh, Matakwayasa, hello, another myself, all of my relations, namaste. I see another myself in you. You know, so it's about waking up that part of us, getting clear on the timeline, working from a future, emitting EMIT. It's the reverse of time. So we're coming from the future and saying a year from now, these are the experiences I expect to be having. These are the contributions I want to be making. These are the feelings and emotions that I'm I'm aiming for because I don't need the things. These are the experiences part of the path. These are the contributions I'll be making as I become the person I'm here to be. And then working our way back from that far out, one year just to start with in the first program and working back to the present and making a very simple day by day. Hey, how can I get those emotions today? How can I be contributing in that way today? Maybe it's not the same level, but it's something. Let's start telling the universe I'm, I'm making a stand for myself. I'm becoming a simulation sam- Samurai. There's never been a, a time more poignant than now for waking up and, and waking up this divinity, this butterfly within ourselves and creating transformation. So the first program is, Finding out does that humanity 2.0 of me look like? And then in our second program, which is creating reality 2.0, is where we start designing this new language into our reality. A language that's in our reality, a 2.0 language, a 2.0 anchoring system, if you will, if that's easier to understand, or algorithms built out there that contain that story. And are constantly working with the mechanics of consciousness, how neural networks fire and wire together, how hormonal responses, how emotional responses take place, understanding the contextualization of having clear visual images of the person I was born to be around me everywhere. And then our third program, the Language of Enlightenment, is where we actually develop this into a way that we could write our own Kabbalah, that we could write our own Torah, literally into our environment. And it's As mind-boggling or maybe mystical, if you're hearing me from where I'm speaking from, as this may sound, it is true. I am so excited for people to be able to have this type of a mechanism around them. That at any moment in time, they can take control over the direction of their thoughts and the quality of their emotions. Because they've already created the stage for that. So... Because I'm introducing something that has never existed, it's probably like, you know, maybe, uh, what's that fellow's name that uh, created the light bulb was in competition with Tesla? What's that guy's name? You remember who I'm talking about? Edison. Edison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably like him trying to explain how a telegraph worked when they were only using the Pony Express was too much for people and people just had to trust him, go through these, you know trees up and strags them line along until they got it to a town another little ways away and realize when you go, it's like, wow, holy shit, that that actually changed somebody's life. I might've saved somebody's life. I might've delivered some good news or, I mean, that's a whole new concept. So we're introducing a completely new way to communicate to ourselves and to each other. That's going to be a paradigm shift for sure. Because we can make those messages whatever we want to make them. And the more we make, the more it takes space, takes time away from those four thoughts a minute, 250 thoughts an hour, 6,000 thoughts a day that we have from the other people who are competing for our mind, competing for our time, competing for our behavioral patterns. Let's take charge of these avatars that we have and see what they got. Let's put the pedal to the metal. Let's ignite these things. Let's check out our creative potential. Let's take this thing out on the road. That's 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 what the work's about—a great spiritual reset. Understanding that I am the matrix, I am the cause, I am the cure. We are the cause. We are the cure. We are the matrix.
0: Woo! Fired up. <laughs> Seriously, I love I love uh, everything that you are offering that pathway you know that bridge to it all because it can be daunting it can be overwhelming it whether or not you've been on this path for a long time and then still like but my life still looks like this so what is it or this is all new to you either way that you have this bridge to be able to really have that okay i know this but now what is what i love what i love about everything that you're offering thanks rosie Well, any final thoughts? Anything else you want to send forth?
1: Uh, Well, just I really have appreciated uh, getting to know you. I'm excited and I'm anticipating more in the future. Um, You're a beautiful soul. Every, Every conversation I've ever had with you has been wonderful. So just thank you, I guess, more than anything. Thank you for the reflection.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, please check out the show notes. Um, I am the matrix.com. Is that where anybody can find all your offerings? Yes. And everything you're doing. yes, Perfect. So I'm going to add that there and, uh, please reach out to Leo. He is ready to receive, (laughs) uh, ready for more people to help them get to that full potential and to, For all of us, if we can just disrupt this pattern that we've we've been in, we can create happiness throughout this universe. So, thank you everyone. Until next time, thank you, Leo.
1: Thank you, Rosie. It's been
0: a pleasure and an honor.
1: Likewise.